Welcome to Beyond the Rig Season 2, Episode 2. And on today's episode, we will be having a conversation with Brendan James and Daral Brazi. Please know this episode was recorded on November 4th, 2021. We hope you enjoy. Welcome, Brendan and Daral. Well, I'll, I'll let Deval go first. I'll first <laughs> I know you're going to say Lenny. You know, I was going to say that. <laughs> but in the interest of gender equity, I will allow you to go first, man. Ah, that's, I like that one. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, well, Brendan is the name, Brendan James. I, um, I am into, I'm in the sustainability space. Um, specifically, I, I have a company um, with a group of friends of mine called Green Business Intelligence. Um, and, um, and I have been in the energy industry for a little over 20 years. And, um, and I'm trying my best to use whatever skill sets and talents I've gained over the years to try to influence things locally, regionally with regards to the energy transition. Yeah, so that is it about me. Hi, I'm Deval Bazi. I am an environmental sustainability professional with over 10 years experience in the energy sector doing environmental risk management there. And I'm also the host and producer of the Climate Conscious podcast, which is aimed at really amplifying the voices of Caribbean persons and the Caribbean perspective as it relates to climate change and sustainability. Nice, nice, nice. So, so guys, welcome. And uh, Brendan, I find you was modest. I thought you'd have, you know, tell everybody about your podcast as well, too. Oh, Wait. yes, yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you want people... Minds, yeah, I, I yeah. must big up, oh gosh, my, my co-host will kill me. But I must big up my co-host um, uh, in Conservative Minds. We are... Uh, uh, a podcast that speaks about social consciousness and um, and just how we interact with um, with society. Yeah. So nice. So you know, the, the, to kick off, um, I guess the, the conversation dive a little deeper. You know, I know both of you all uh, completed your sustainable MB in sustainable energy management at Arthur Lockjack. You know, and. A lot of listeners uh, kind of reach out to me and ask for advice, you know, when you complete like a, a local program in Trinidad and Tobago, you know, what are the options you have for really applying your knowledge? And, you know, I, I, I just thought it would be fitting if you guys could give some advice uh, concerning like lessons you learned in, in trying to create your inroads, um, your own part, because, you know, uh, a lot of people, when they complete such programs, whether it's at UE or UTT or, or and at Lockjack, you know, there is this con- um, perception, I should say, that, you know, there's there are jobs waiting for them. And sometimes, you know, you have to go out there and create like your own um, niche market rule. And, you know, I, I think it would be good if you guys could give some advice in terms of your, your, your pathway that you took. Wow, that's a, I mean, that, that's a, a, a big question there. And um, thanks for asking it because um, a lot of times when you go through a program, you, you know, there's an expectation that the world is going to hand you what you think that you deserve on a platter. And it never, ever works out like that. 
I mean, even if it's not sustainability, it doesn't matter what you do. Um, the, the question that they have to ask yourself is after you have done all this work, what you're going to do with the new knowledge or the skill sets that you have gained to try and influence the world in a positive way. Um, you know, the, the issue that we're dealing with, um, the environment itself is huge, right? It's a, it's, it's a global issue that impacts all countries across the world and, and small island developing states specifically. So the question is now what you're going to do. And, you know, for me, it was, you know, completing the program. And I was very, very, very lucky to um, win a trip uh, through the Chinese embassy um, to actually go to China to actually see exactly how they were trying to pivot their economy um, in terms of um, their role in the sustainability um, revolution. So coming back from that trip and graduating, I, I made up my mind that I had to do something. So I just decided this, rather than waiting for an organization to decide, okay, this is what we want to do and we want to move towards sustainability in a, in a constructive way, I decided, why don't I just do it myself? Why don't I just put myself out there and um, start trying to advise companies to help them in terms of the journey? And it is not an easy thing to do, to put yourself out there and to say, listen, I'm going to try to, to build something from the ground up. But um, it is rewarding. And I will advise any young person, when you finish your program, don't wait for anybody to do the work and say, listen, um, we want you to come and help us. You need to, to step out and, and try and get it done for yourself. It is scary, but it is a, a viable option in terms of utilizing your skill set. Well, what I would say is, I guess, there is no path. And essentially, I guess speaking from my experience, you're, you're building the plane while flying. So with me, I started off working in the oil and gas sector doing environmental risk management there. And I reached a point where I was considering, well, what's next? And I decided I wanted to further my studies doing postgraduate work. And I came across the MBA program. And honestly, I didn't have it all figured out, but something about it just made sense. It seemed like the, the best next step for me. Um, although I was in coal, oil, and gas, um, I had an interest in climate change and I saw the nexus of climate and energy and I saw that it was the future although it, it wasn't really shaping up at the time in Trinidad and Tobago and thinking back you know when I would tell persons that I'm doing an MBA in sustainable energy management you you couldn't see the confusion on, on their face you know some of them might even ask so what are you going to do with that but I was never deterred and I, I never regretted, you know, venturing down that path because the program just, it really opened up your mind to, to understand what energy is all about. And you realize how broad the sector is. And depending on how you look at it, that could be a good or a bad thing. But I think it allows you the flexibility and the creativity to create your own path. And I guess you have to be a bit of a risk taker as well because it's not made out for you. But I think the way that the world is evolving on a global stage, 
a global scale and you know locally we are catching on i think it's an exciting sector to dive right into yes you have to adjust your expectations as brandon you know mentioned there's no um there's no job per se waiting on you or waiting for you but i think in going through the process you would you would gravitate to certain areas and and your passions would come alive and then you just have to pursue pursue that passion and create the part that works for you and uh, you know i i think that's really great advice that you both gave and i, and I, I like the honest perspective as well too you know because you know sometimes you may think you know um we're doing something and you know we automatically you know it will be there for us you know and i i have seen and um had conversations with a lot of uh, i guess people who graduate from programs locally and even internationally will return to trinidad you know and the because of how the market is set up, it, it, it could become um, a little disheartening sometimes if you're trying to make some inroads. But as you both said, you know, you have to be willing to take risks and you have to be brave and, you know, you have to believe in what you're doing. So, you know, I, I like that real honest perspective you both gave. And, you know, I guess seeing that you guys have been in the local scene for a while, especially the sustainable scene. You know, there's a little conference happening um, in Glasgow now called COP26. I don't know if you know about it. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know um, it's about climate change. It's, it's about, you know, really trying to, I guess, try and, and raise your awareness that we need more action, especially if we're looking to limit the effects of climate change. Um, globally you know and and it's it's a global effort it's not really a, a country only effort and i just want to get your guys perspective like um of course cop 26 is still going on but you know if you guys have an idea like how you see things kind of unfolding locally in trinidad and probably regionally like in the next couple of years if you um where you see potential opportunities as well to uh, I, I know hydrogen is something that's been discussed a lot about a lot of companies are looking at ESG. Um, so, you know, and, and there's also the utility scale solar project that's been uh, mentioned a lot and, and it currently negotiations are on the way. But, you know, from you guys' point of view, I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, how you see things playing out next five years. Well, that, that's an excellent question. Um, and so I'll, I'll put it in two buckets. I'll put it in one bucket. What I think we should focus on as as Trinidad and Tobago as a small island developing state and another bucket in terms of what I think is going to happen internationally that may impact us, right? So in terms of what we should be focusing on in the next five years, I'm really, really hopeful that we are going to double down on solar installation. I think we can set some reasonable targets um, in terms of increasing, well, improving on the current projects that we have to include more projects. Um, I'm hoping that residential and commercial solar is seriously considered um, and that that is adopted and we create the legislative framework to allow that to happen, um, which would allow us to free up some molecules of natural gas that we might be able to improve our forex position with. So there's some mutual benefits there in terms of um, uh, going in that direction. Um, and uh, in terms of from an energy perspective as well, I am very, very hopeful that we can um, as well maybe 
looking at some economic feasibility for uh, a project for wind, um, especially in a, on the East Coast. You know, so that's what I'm hopeful for locally. Um, in terms of the buckets of what can happen outside of Trinidad and Tobago that could impact us, I know one of the things that I'm very I've, I've sp spoken about it on different platforms is um, the, the carbon price. I, I think it's something that is going to happen, and I think the moves are there. So just recently, the UK has announced that in next year in April, they would be um, passing what would be their legislation for disclosures. So for businesses um, that operate in the UK or trade with the UK, um, there will be legislation passed that will mandate um, for them to assess their climate risk associated with their business. And that information will be used for investors, um, for investment purposes. And that, to me, is one of the first steps that you'll need um, in terms of establishing some sort of carbon tax or carbon price. And uh, for the UK, the U um, European Union, sorry, they have already committed for passing their carbon border adjustment mechanism. That's a, a, a carbon tax or a carbon tariff on traded goods coming into Europe um, associated with um, a price attached to your goods based on the amount of um, greenhouse gases that you emit from your processes. And that covers scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. So those are some of the things I'm looking forward to in the next five years that I think is um, something to, to for us to focus on. And I know um, the Ministry of Planning is definitely um, pushing on with that carbon pricing um, agenda as well as, you know, even uh, electric vehicle policy as well too. You know? So I know things are happening. We might not be seeing it um, out there actively, but things are happening based on the NDC nationally determined con contribution plan that they came up for reducing emissions for, the, for all our sectors. Deval, um, what's what's your thoughts in in terms of how you see things kind of unfolding in the next five years? Well, I think Trinidad and Tobago sits in a very interesting spot, an interesting seat. Um, being a small island developing state, you know, we are particularly vulnerable to climate change and already experiencing some of the impacts. But at the same time, our economy is deeply tied to fossil fuel energy. But given the, the global mood, you know, of decarbonization, if I'm being optimistic, I expect to see a ramping up of activity around the sustainable energy transition in Trinidad and Tobago. And in particular, low carbon development and, and the greening of our energy sector. And for that to happen, you know, we need our policies to catch up with that global agenda. And as you rightfully said, you know, there, there a lot of work has been happening at the the policy level. So I expect that to continue and I I hope to see that it would move from just being policies and and us being signatories to various agreements into the realm of implementation. And added to that, I I guess I'm giving you my wish list or my optimistic outlook. I hope I expect to see greater citizen participation in the sustainable energy space because I think the level of awareness has been increasing and people are showing 
a greater interest. You know, there are persons who, you know, they're interested in solar solar panels and, and things like that. So I think we're at a point where things have to change. I think we have recognized that at the global scale as well as locally, our leaders um, being at COP and so on. So, yeah, I'm optimistic about the, the five-year look ahead in terms of what it would mean for our energy transition. And, you know, um, like, like you, um, likewise, I'm very optimistic um, because, because I think we're at a point where we, we can't really make any more mistakes, um, especially for our local industry, you know, in terms of uh, carbonization efforts for, be, for us to be more relevant going ahead, especially with, as Bender mentioned, you know, with the carbon taxes happening globally and, and even the European Union are trying to launch their cross-border mechanism tax, which I think could be a trend, uh, depending on how things go from COP COP twenty six. But you know, uh, I, I like the part. You know, you have a wish list, and um, I know we all three of us will do our part. You know, in terms of locally as as citizens, they really reason that awareness and, and trying to rally more more young professionals to really push for for the energy transition and and decarbonization of our economy. You know, and Brennan, um, as as the role kind of give her wish list and I guess what is your wish list as well too in in terms of you know um what do you you would like to see going forward as well too I uh, honestly I um I really would like to see uh the net metering policy that we have been talking about locally um and you know we have done the research you know we have done the studies I I really would like if we could implement it um change is difficult and you know especially when you're accustomed to a centralized power distribution model um a net metering or feed-in tariff framework will allow for rooftop solar where people could you know generate their own power and sell power back onto the grid um looking at the type of hurricanes storms and weather events that we've been experiencing uh, I think that is something that I would really, if, if I had to name a top one on, on my wish list, it would be that. I really would like to also see this electrical, electric vehicle charging policy, um, electric vehicle policy and setting up of charging ports happen. I think that is a project that could happen in very quick time. Um, we have our first uh, gas station that actually provides that as a service in Presal. So kudos to NE and NGC and all and NP, all those involved in that project. I think we need to see more of those uh, in rapid pace. All right, I think that will help. And um, I think we need to be deliberate about getting people to adopt electric vehicles um, locally as well. You know, so I'll I'll I'll, I'll name that as my top three in, in terms of my wish list for Trinidad and Tobago. Um, internationally, um, I'm hoping that we have much uh, greater commitments coming out of COP as well. Um, I think that um, countries can, if they double down on, on these initiatives, we can achieve um, that 1.5 degree limit. And um, as they say, 1.5 to stay alive, I, I really do believe in that agenda uh, for the global community. So that, that would be kind of my wish list. And I, I like how you close off with that 1.5 to stay alive because if if you um, haven't seen um, a speech, you know the Honorable Mia Motley, uh, Prime Minister Bernbilas gave. Uh, I think she stole the show at, 
the one at COP26, to be honest with you, even with that. Excellent speech. Excellent. Yeah, excellent speech, you know, and um, for our listeners, definitely check it out Go on YouTube and you will see what we're talking about, really moving stuff. Um, so as we close off, you know, I, I, um, one of the things I like to ask guests, you know, in terms of the youth, uh, what advice you could give them for those who are looking to try and get involved with with the energy sector and even the energy transition? Or how you know how what advice you could give them in terms of how they could participate? You know, um, as we close off, because I know a, a lot of our listeners, you know, some of them um, they are looking for ways to try and get in and just to kind of give them an idea how they could do their part to really raise awareness and even raise actions because we need a lot more actions. You know, I think there's a lot of advocating happen on happening but actions is what we really need going forward well i would say that one thing i would like to leave listeners with is that there is space for everyone in the sustainability movement there isn't one particular profile of a sustainability professional and a good example of that is the the cohorts you would find in the mba sustainable energy management program they come from other a, a range of backgrounds you know um finance engineering management so i think the critical thing is that once you have an interest in contributing to the sustainability transition and contributing to climate action wherever you are whatever the sector you're in you know, just look for ways in which you can incorporate sustainability. We need to integrate sustainability in all sectors, all levels, from the individual to the corporation. So there's something for everyone to do and everyone to get involved in. And the information is out there. And, and as you start seeking, it really opens up to you and you, you're able to network the same way I was able to connect with Brandon connect with you Shane you know it's a it's a beautiful community out there and I'm really inspired when I meet other persons who are trying to contribute in their own way so I guess in closing I would say there's something for each of us to do I want to support Duval on that point which I think is a very very powerful one that there's room for all of us I want to reiterate that because there's the perception that, you know, after you know, go back to school and maybe do another postgrad program and to kind of get involved, we need everybody. We need lawyers, we need accountants, we need communications people. Probably we need them more than, than, than people think, right? Um, we, need, we need all different professions who could add uh, their skill set and value to, to what I'll consider the, the, the sustainability revolution. So for young people, um, you know, there's a lot of resources available out there, a lot of resources that you're able to find. And um, one of the things that, that I've been working on as well, if anybody is interested, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I've been having conversations with a number of executives and we are looking to start a local advocacy group um, specific to sustainability um, and you know we're looking for young professionals who who actually want to get involved right um, I, I can't give out like information any name and stuff as yet because that is going to be launched soon but I could tell you there's a number of people who are in this space that are going to be taking leadership positions we're specifically looking 
are the young persons who are involved, Duval, yourself, Shane, others, to, to come on board with us to actually work and actually start doing that sort of advocacy as well. So, you know, it's about creating that space for all of us to get a voice heard, right? So, so wherever you sit, if you have an interest in sustainability, it doesn't require you to change everything that you are about, or let's say you are in a particular professional field, I'm sure that you can find a space within sustainability to help in terms of the transition because things are getting um, more and more serious as, as things as um, we're going into a post-COVID e- economy, whatever that is, and um, sustainability is going to be high on the agenda. So we all need to get ready for the transition. So I'd like to thank both of you for being a, a guest on today's show for sure. And, you know, uh, and, you know I want to start a little hashtag or hashtag there's room for all because um, <laughs> re- really and truly, you know, when, when, when I was in UE and I was around 2008, um, we normally typically talk about the oil and gas industry or, or, or the energy sector. You know, you have to be an engineer, a mechanical, electrical, a geologist. But now, um, there are a lot, it has changed, you know, because as, as you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of room for everybody because you're seeing that need as, as companies are now becoming more environmentally and socially responsible and it, 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 it's changing. So there's a lot of people, a lot of profiles of rules now for lawyers, uh, communication officers, IT for technology. So, you know, and I think, you know, as you, as you say, you know, everybody has a role to play in really contributing to, to build that that success you know, and I transforming Trinidad as well too. So um I'd just like to tell all listeners, you know, if you want to hear a lot more from Brendan, you can check him out on Inquisitive Minds, his podcast show. And also um Durval, if you want to hear from her, you know, there's Climate Conscious Podcast, you know. Um you can check her out as well to some real interesting stuff conversation about the energy sector about climate and also about um brendan i mean you 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 like a car you know everything there you know when you think about um at, at one point i think yeah that piece to talk about bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency and and so yeah yeah so you yeah you have you have a you mix up there but it's two great shows you guys have and um keep doing your work as well too you know because some real positive stuff as well too and, Encourage us also, you know, check out other local podcast shows. So, as episode two comes to a conclusion, we would like to once again thank all our loyal listeners who continue to tune in. We would like to also remind you to please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast stores, as well as like, share, and comment. Let us know how we can improve or what your thoughts are on our shows. And you know, until next time, stay safe. You never know who will pop in on episode 3, so take care.